Thanks for joining us on Crawford Radio. My name is Bernie Wagenblast. Today, we're joined by Robin Geigel. And since I like alliteration, I'll describe her with three A's. She's an attorney, an activist, and an author. Robin is going to be speaking at the Cranford Community Center on Saturday, January 29th. And certainly a focus of that afternoon is going to be the two books she has published in the past year, By Way of Sorrow and Survivor's Guilt. Robin, welcome to Cranford Radio. Hi, Bernie. Thank you. It's, it's great to be here. It's a, it's a true honor to be uh, on, on the podcast. Well, it's wonderful having you here, and I'm certainly looking forward to the event on the 29th. And before we, we talked today, I was listening to a number of different interviews that you've done during the past year. And what I'd like to do is touch on something that's a little bit different from all of those other interviews that you've done. As we're get, we'll get into in a little bit, these books, By Way of Sorrow and Survivor's Guilt, are largely set in Cranford and the surrounding area. And we're going to talk about why is that, talk a little bit about some of the history that goes beyond that. But before we go into that, why don't we back up a bit and have you tell us a bit about both of these legal thrillers, if you would, please. Sure. So By Way of Sorrow, which came out on March 30th of 2021, I, I was going to say this year, I forget we're in 2022 <laughs> already. Uh, so in, in 20, 2021 uh, is the story of Erin uh, McCabe and who's a, a lawyer and a transgender woman and her law partner, Dwayne Swisher, who's an African-American male and a former FBI agent. They have a law firm that happens to be in Cranford, New Jersey. And Aaron and Dwayne are referred the case of Sharice Barnes. And Sharice is accused of murdering the only son of one of the most powerful and richest politicians in the state of New Jersey. And Sharice happens also to be a transgender woman of color. And so the story revolves around Aaron and Dwayne's efforts to defend Sharice and how the other side's use of their power, their influence, their money, and the countervailing points of Sharice not having uh, a great background and, and in terms of you know, them using her race against her and, and biases and prejudices because she's transgender, how all those things mix together in the system that we call justice. So it's a story about them trying to defend her and the people on the other side trying to prevent them from mounting the defense that they feel necessary to try to have her acquitted of, of this crime. Survivor's Guilt is a little bit different take uh, on it. Uh, most of By Way of Sorrow, although it's a legal thriller, while there's courtroom scenes that happen, most of the action takes place outside the courtroom. So when I started book two, I decided I wanted more courtroom action than what was in By Way of Sorrow. So Survivor's Guilt is the story. It continues uh, the story of Erin and her law partner, Dwayne, but it doesn't continue the story of Sharice Barnes. They're on to the next case and, and they're defending somebody else. And what is at the heart of Survivor's Guilt is child abuse, human trafficking, child pornography, all horrible subjects that unfortunately exist mm -hmm. um, in, in the world and in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to tell that story and how 
they come to defend this woman and that's charged with the murder of her adoptive father, um, Charles Parsons, who lived in Westfield. So Westfield comes into play in, in, in the second book and she is accused of murdering her father. It, it starts off looking like it's just been a, a suicide. He's discovered a single gunshot wound to his head. The, the weapon is, is lying in his hand, uh, curled up at, in his body. And so and initially it looks like it's a suicide, but uh, as they investigate, they discover a recording that seems to implicate his adoptive daughter in murdering him she confesses to the crime before Aaron and Dwayne represent her. And then their efforts center around getting her to withdraw her guilty plea and then defending her as they move forward. So there's a lot of action, a lot more action in the, in the courtroom, but still a lot of action outside the courtroom as Aaron's inside trying to, to defend her and Dwayne is outside in terms of trying to gather the evidence that they need, but also trying to, and it's hard to, to talk too much about it without giving spoilers, <laughs> but there, there's some um, ancillary things that are going on that, that Dwayne is working with law enforcement to try to resolve so that their client and Parsons can testify at the trial. As I mentioned in the introduction, author is just one of the hats you wear. Your regular day job, so to speak, is being an attorney. Aaron McCabe happens to be an attorney. Obviously, it's a subject that you're familiar with. Why did you decide to write a novel? I've always wanted to write a novel, Bernie. Um, I graduated law school. As an aside, I got this random email today saying, congratulations on your 45 years as an attorney. And it, it kind of just <laughs> blew my mind. Um, hard to believe that I was admitted to the bar at five years old, but, you know, uh, uh, but I graduated law school in 1977, and probably about two years later, I started my first novel. Um, maybe it was three years later, because I, I was at my second law firm at that point. Um, and I have always loved the book Catch-22 by Joseph Heller. Mm -hmm. And so when I set out to write my magnus opus, it was going to be the catch-22 of the, of the legal community. It was going to be about a law firm and a, a dark black comedy. And, you know, I was 30 years old. I didn't know what I was doing. And this was obviously long before computers and things like that. So I was writing it longhand on legal pads and then giving it to someone to type up for me. And a legal career, three children and everything else, you know, that became my briefcase novel. And um, it literally set in a briefcase for, for decades. But the, the, the desire to write was always there. And so for those in your audience that don't know, I am a transgender woman. And in 2008, 2009, I went through the gender confirmation uh, process. And at that point in time, our children were grown. I was living on my own. And that itch to write that novel came back. And, and, and in part, it has to do, I, I have three children, two sons and a daughter. My middle son, Colin Geigel, is also a published author. Um, he has a book called The Ferryman Institute. But probably, I guess it was like 2010, 2011, 
Colin, who also always wanted to be a writer, uh, got involved in something called NaNoWriMo. And I'm not sure if people know what that is, but it, it's shorthand for writing a novel in November type of thing. Oh, okay. And, and, and the premise of it is, is that you, you enter this competition where there's no prizes, nothing. It's, it's just for yourself. But there, there's this organization, NaNoWriMo, that encourages people to try to write a novel in the month of November. Colin decided to do it. And he encouraged me to do it because he knew that I always wanted to write that novel. My kids knew that, that about me. And so we did it. He completed at least, you know, you had to do 50,000 words to, to theoretically, you know, get the prize. Um, I didn't because I had a day job at that time. He had just graduated <laughs> college. He was, he was doing what he wanted to do. Uh, and, uh, but that, that was the genesis of it. That got the juices flowing again. That got me excited. And um, I did ultimately finish that novel that I started for NaNoWriMo. It's not By Way of Sorrow or um, Survivor's Guild. It's a, a novel that I, I, I finished the manuscript probably in uh, 2013, 2014. And that, that manuscript got me my agent. Um, but that manuscript was never acquired by anyone. And, you know, in retrospect, that's probably a good thing for me and, and for the rest of the world. <laughs> um, but while, you know, that was out with my agent and she was shopping it around, that's when I, I started writing By Way of Sorrow. And, uh, um, you know, it, it all came to fruition for me. Um, I'm living the dream. Yeah. And, and the fact that a second book in this Aaron McCabe series is coming out uh, at the end of January is is just wonderful news. As I mentioned in the opening, this book, a lot of it takes place in Cranford and the surrounding area. Aaron's apartment is in Cranford. Uh, Dwayne Swisher lives in Scotch Plains. There's a soccer game that takes place at Tamaquas Park. The Cranford Hotel has a, a brief appearance. There are so many different things. The Rawway River, of course, you can't have something about Cranford without the Rawway River. Tell me how come the setting is Cranford and the surrounding area? You know, they tell you right what you know. And, and so you, you mentioned it at the start, you know, I, I am an attorney. I'm a transgender woman. Write what you know. Uh, legal thriller involving a, a transgender uh, criminal defense lawyer. And I grew up in Union County. Uh, first eight years of my life, we lived in Clark and then we moved to Roselle Park. And so I lived in Roselle Park until, uh, you know, leaving aside college and law school and, and those things, uh, lived there until we were married. And so I, when I got out of law school, I, I clerked for a judge in Union County at Courthouse in Elizabeth. So I have a lot of Union County connections. And so when I was looking for a setting of the book, I, I you know, you always although you write what you know, you don't want your main character to be you. You mm -hmm. want them to be somewhat different. So I wasn't going to set it in Roselle Park where, where I grew up. But Cranford was a place that, you know, my dentist was there. The, I, I, you know, went to, to Dr. Conigan for 50 years on North Avenue. Um, I knew Cranford. We'd go to the Cranford Hotel. I love Cranford in terms of it's just a nice town. And so when I was looking for a setting, I said, you know, this is a, a, a nice place to set it. I'm familiar with it. I know it. 
I can describe it. I can picture it in my own mind's eye, which is, which is always helpful. And so uh, it just worked in terms of, of having a locale. And in, by way of sorrow, the crime actually takes place in Ocean County. And so Aaron and, and Duane are, are trekking back and forth from, from Cranford to Tom's River. Survivor's guilt, because the murder takes place in Westfield, that is actually the, the trial of that case is actually taking place at the Union County Courthouse. Um, and it's being you know prosecuted by the Union County Prosecutor's Office. Again, things that I was familiar with, felt comfortable with, and, and, and you know, and in the case of Cranford, really enjoy and, and thought it was a good place uh, to have the book take place. As I was mentioning to you before we started recording, it was a much different experience for me. In my case, I listened to the audio book because that's what I like to listen to books as I'm exercising and things of that sort. And by the way, the narrator of the audio book did a fantastic job, but it's such a different experience when you're hearing something described that you're familiar with, as opposed to if this were taking place in Colorado and I was not familiar at all with the locale and you kind of paint your own picture as to what this is like. But as you're describing some of the scenes, I'm placing myself in these various locales. I believe Aaron's apartment is in that same building, which some people might know is the Cranford Trust building, uh, an old bank building that's that's uh, has apartments above where the Vanilla Bean Creamery is located, and you're you're picturing that, or or the Cranford Hotel, and like I say, the the soccer game that takes place in Tamaquas Park. I can just imagine myself watching a soccer game in Tamaquas Park, and it's a much different experience seeing it that way than it would be for some place that was just totally my imagination. Since you listened to, to the audiobook, uh, and I agree with you, Marguerite Gavin, who, who was the narrator of the audiobook, I thought she did a, a remarkable job. I am not an audiobook person. I'm, I'm somebody who likes to sit there with the book in my hands and, and read it. Um, but I, I was awed by the, the job that she did. But I hope you noticed that she mispronounced Tamaquas Park. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> But but to your point, I mean, all three of my children played soccer. I've I can't tell you how many games I've watched in Tamaquas Park and and Nomahegan uh, in terms of you know going for a run through Nomahegan Park or watching the the Fourth of July fireworks um, at Nomahegan Park. Uh, you know, so uh, you know th those were experiences that you know, were, were really positive things in my life. And, and so it was easy to paint those pictures. Even before your first book came out, there was a review, a brief one, but a review in the New York Times book review section, which I imagine had to be a very pleasant surprise for you. It was um, an overwhelming surprise. And I, I did an interest interview recently and the woman was trying to to come up with the last line of, of the the review and I said quietly groundbreaking and she said oh you remember it and I said I'll never forget it um, so I would have posted it on my wall um, it is it, it literally is um so yes it was it's it's it was mind numbing. I don't know how to describe it. Uh, it was totally unexpected and not in the sense that you get some notice. You know, the publisher is notified about two weeks in advance that 
you know, in the New York Times, you know, you're we're going to review um, by way of sorrow. Uh, and it, it was in the crime section, which if people are familiar with the, the New York Times book review. They they review, you know, three, four or five mystery thrillers in every other week. I think it, it, it runs. Um, and I don't know when our podcast is going is going to air, but I can tell you that today is uh, January twentieth, and it comes out online on the twenty first, I believe. But on in Sunday's New York Times, Survivor's Guilt is also going to be reviewed. Oh, fantastic! Well, I'm looking forward to reading that, and. We'll try to get this up before the New York Times review gets published. So <laughs> don't know if I'll beat the online version, but at least I'll hopefully beat the uh, print version of the New York Times. Yeah, that way, if it's a bad review, people won't, won't know about it. Now, had you already started writing Survivor's Guilt before your first book was published in, in, in March? Yeah, so the, the backstory on that was um, I had finished By Way of Sorrow in um, September of 2018. And it, you know, my agent started chopping it around. It was acquired in December of 2018 by Kensington Books. And when they acquired it, they acquired, they signed me to a two book deal, which is wonderful if you're an author, but terribly frightening when you only have one book. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, what, what happened was um, Survivor's Guilt, um, I had to come up with a synopsis to submit to them. I think it was due in September of 2019. And, and I you know, can give you the backstory of where I came up with Survivor's Guilt. But it, in terms of your question, um, so the way the editing process worked, you know, we were editing by way of sorrow at the same time I was trying to come up with book two. But by way of sorrow was fully edited and it was due, actually, it was due to be published in June of 2020. Um, and, you know, then I would be, you know, at, you know, while that was in the final processing of, of becoming a book, I'd be writing Survivor's Guilt. Um, but in March of 2020, unfortunately, the pandemic came along. And so at that point in time, you know, I, I think um, things were shutting down, bookstores were closed, and, and Kensington made the decision in, in March when everything shut down, March of 2020, let's delay by way of sorrow. Uh, and, and basically they delayed it a year, even though it was gonna come out in June, the decision was made in March and, and to publish it at the end of March of 2021. So it, the timing of the books makes it look like I'm really prolific. <laughs> but I'm not because basically, you know, by way of sorrow should have come out a year ago and, and then survivor's guilt would be coming out in January of 2022. But because the pandemic by way of sorrow didn't come out until March of 2021. And, and by that time, you know, survivor's guilt, survivor's guilt got submitted basically in the, in the summer of, of, 2021 and, you know, went through the editing process or I might even have my years wrong because it got also confusing <laughs> in the pandemic. But I mean, they look, as I said, they, it looks like I'm like, wow, she is just churning out books. Look at this. <laughs> it, it's a little misleading. <laughs> well, one of the things we've, we've talked about two of the A's being an attorney and being an author, but we haven't touched on the third A, being an activist. As you already mentioned, you are a transgender woman. Tell us a little bit about 
your activity in terms of advocacy, if you would, please? When I talk about myself as an activist, I always say I'm an activist with a small a. Mm-hmm. Because there are people, you know, not just in the transgender community, in a lot of communities where activism is what they do and they do it so well, including folks in the, in the transgender community. So I, I'm proud of what I do, but I'm also realistic in the sense that I know that there are people out there on the front lines doing this 24-7 and I'm not that person. I'm someone who gets called upon from time to time to, to speak at certain events or, or to do trainings. I've, I've trained the New Jersey State Police on transgender issues. I've trained the New Jersey Attorney General's Office on transgender issues, the New Jersey Public Defender's Office. So, I mean, those are things that because I'm an attorney, because I'm, I'm out and open about who I am and, and um, you know, not afraid to, to talk about the legal issues as they impact the LGBTQ community writ large, but the transgender community um, in, in particular, I get called on from time to time to do that. Um, I'm a member of the um, board of uh, trustees or directors of Garden State Equality, which is the largest uh, LGBTQ civil rights organization in the state of New Jersey. So, you know, again, from time to time there, um, folks will call on me to, you know, can you present here? Can you do this or, or you know, participate in something? So that's, that's my activism. And, and most of it is related to my role as an attorney and the fact that I am familiar with how New Jersey law impacts the, the transgender community. Well, I think there's a lot that more that we could discuss and hopefully folks who are interested in this are gonna have the opportunity to join us on January 29th. Let me again remind you, Robin's going to be appearing at the Cranford Community Center on Saturday, January 29th at 2 p.m. It's sponsored by the Cranford Unity Project and the Cranford Public Library. Registration is required. So if you look at the show notes for this podcast, you will find a link to register for the event. And we'll also have a link on how you can purchase Robin's book, which, as I understand, uh, I guess both books will be available for uh, signature uh, at the event. Is that uh, correct? That's my understanding, Bernie. Yes, uh, I, I know they're they're working with, um, um, and I, I forget the gentleman's name. I apologize to him, but he owns a bookstore in Union, but lives in Cranford. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, as an author, support your local independent uh, indie bookstores. So, uh, you know, that's great that they're going to be able to do that. I'm looking forward to it. Well, so am I. And again, Robin, thank you so much for taking the time out to, to chat with us and give us a little bit of a preview of both the books, as well as your appearance on the 29th here in Cranford. Thank you, Bernie. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you on the 29th.